Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about a plan to redevelop the North Philadelphia train station site, what one group's opinion is about the Sixers stadium plan, and what the city's mayoral candidates have been up to. It's Friday, August 25th. I'm Trinae Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Paul Schwellison, commercial real estate reporter at the Philadelphia Business Journal, and Sean Walsh, City Hall reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thanks for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great. Before we get into the news of the week, I want to have a little fun. Earlier this week, it was announced that Corpolis Tomato Pie Chip won the HERS Flavored by Philly contest. And it was up against two other really top contender flavors, a roast pork sandwich chip inspired by South Philly's John's Roast Pork and a Korean barbecue wing chip from Mike's Barbecue down in South Philly. Have any of you tried any of these chips? Yes, I actually tried all three. Oh, okay. Do you agree with the tomato pie chip winning? I think my favorite was the Korean barbecue chip because it tasted most similar to a potato chip I was used to having in the past. Okay. Sean, did you try any of these chips? I only tried the tomato pie chip and I thought it tasted a little bit weird. So I'm not sure about the selection. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now for y'all, like since you you know you eat chips, I eat chips. I actually agree with you, Paul. I liked the Korean barbecue. That was the only one I tried. What makes a good chip? Oof, I, I don't know. You gotta <laughs> you gotta ask the uh the professionals on that one. I, I guess it just if it tastes good, but I always like sour cream and onion, you know. I, I guess I'm pretty basic in that sense. I like that too, but it's it's gotta have a nice coating. Like generally, I think a good chip. For me, it has great seasonings and great coating on both sides. What about for you, Sean? Uh, I think what makes a good chip is if you can pair it with a Coke or a beer. Nice. Okay. Got to balance each other out. (laughs) Nice. I like that. All right, Paul, I want to start with a story that you've covered this week. So developers have their eyes set on the vacant lot at the North Philadelphia train station, and that's near Broad Street and Glenwood Avenue where Amtrak and SEPTA both use this um, stop. And it's been, as long as I've known this lot or this particular area, it's been vacant for some time. Paul, can you describe what the space looks like for listeners who are unfamiliar? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a pretty big property. It's, it's five acres, includes a, a vacant building as well. Um, there were plans in the past and, you know, Going back in the, you know, around 2018, 2019 to develop it, that never worked out, never came to fruition. Like you said, it's just pretty much mostly empty parking lot next to next to this train station. Yeah. And also for people to understand, it's also in between Temple University main campus area and right near the, the hospital medical campus. Paul, I'm curious, what do developers plan to do with the site? Yeah, so right now they are in an exploratory type of mode for the next 6 to 12 months. But a really important thing to keep in mind is that the two developers that partnered on buying the property and that are planning to develop the property is Shift Capital from Philadelphia and Essence Development from New York. 
and they focus on building affordable housing and have a history of doing different types of mixed use, mixed income developments. So uh, right now they they think that they have capacity probably to build about 2 million square feet on the property. And then what that will become is what they're trying to figure out now. They, they think it'll include some sort of mixed use, mixed income housing, commercial space, retail space, community space. There's all sorts of different possibilities. But the fact that they do have that history of focusing on affordable housing lends itself to the the idea that 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 will be a big component of it. And then obviously the potential for an anchor, anchor type of institution, whether that's meds and eds or, or something else, some kind of maybe big employment center, again, playing off that idea of a mixed use, big type of opportunity with the space. Obviously it's, it's five acres and it's so close with so much accessibility with public transit. There's, they think big, they, they think there's a big opportunity with that. Do they plan on talking with the community around this site to see what they want for this particular project? Yeah, they they are really focused on spending the next six to 12 months doing that type of work. That's why they really don't have specific plans right now. You know, it's not like they come, came out and said, we know exactly what it's going to be. This is our plan. They are really focused on trying to talk to those groups, take that feedback, see what might fit well, see what people want nearby and, and what people think could be a good addition to the neighborhood. That's really what they're spending the next several months working on. Sean, Paul, we have all been following the Sixers arena plan and the back and forth and all the different angles. Who wants it? Who doesn't want it? Sean, you've covered this story that has a different angle. A Philly-based group of architects and designers have come out against the plan. Now, Sean, not only did they say they don't approve, but the group said that it would make matters worse. What's happening here? Sure. The group is called the Design Advocacy Group, and they count about 2,100 members, like you said, of architects and design professionals. And the reason I was interested in doing a story on their statement is they're kind of detached from the debate. You know, you have folks like the unions who would benefit from the project, the Chinatown groups whose neighborhood can be impacted by the project. Obviously, the team will make money off the project. Um, And those are all valid concerns. But this group is kind of, you know, they're on the outside and they're evaluating it just from a design perspective and they don't have skin in the game. And so I thought doing a story on their perspective would be interesting. And what they're talking about when they say it's going to make matters worse, they're talking about the East Market Street corridor, which, of course, has struggled to redevelop over the last several decades, even while other parts of Center City have really blossomed. And the Sixers are framing this as a transformational opportunity for East Market. And the design advocacy group said a stadium is not going to be the answer that is going to turn around East Market Street. Interesting. Now, along with the development at the North Philadelphia train station, with this uh, Sixers plan, why is development or redevelopment so contentious in our city? Well, I guess I've only lived here full time since November, but well, welcome, I welcome guess, to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. I, but my my first thing is, I think people in general, and specifically Philadelphians as well, are very apprehensive about change. 
is probably my first my first inclination. And I don't think that's necessarily unique to Philadelphia. I think that's people in general. I think that's right. I think it's an issue everywhere. And perhaps it's a bigger issue for local government. And that's the government that the people, you know, interact with most because that's the thing that local government can control. You know, they can't control whether certain things are illegal or not. If they're state crimes, they can't control federal taxation and redistribution of wealth on a broader level, but they can, you know, clear the zoning approvals that are needed to build a stadium. And I think that, um, Folks in neighborhoods are probably pretty good judges about uh, whether or not a certain type of development is meant to benefit them or their community. And I think a lot of these debates that become contentious center around uh, people sensing that what's coming into their neighborhood is really not meant for them. And that, I think, spawns a lot of the debate that you have in gentrifying areas like around University City. That's a little bit different, I think, than the issue of building a stadium or an arena in Center City. And that is seen more as a citywide issue. And folks are weighing in from all sorts of different constituencies. Mm-hmm. Councilmanic prerogative, which is that tradition that gives Mark Squilla the ability to, you know, wield outsized influence over this project because it's in his district. Mm-hmm. Even Squilla at the beginning of this said, I expect my colleagues on council to weigh in on this. This isn't just going to be me top down. So I think when it comes to the arena, you have more of a, a broader perspective that's being included. And before we head out into the weekend, I want to remind us that we're we're just a few months away from voting for the city's 100th mayor. This is historic in so many ways. Sean, this week you've been following uh, local politics, and we've heard that Republican candidate David O has been asking Democratic candidate Sherelle Parker to schedule some televised debates so the two of them could talk about their platforms and their visions for the city. Parker has not yet agreed. Sean, it's still the summertime, though. Is is this normal? Is this usual? I would say the current dynamic that's going on right now is very normal and very usual. We'll see what ends up happening. So right now you've got Parker. She won the Democratic nomination. The city has more than seven to one Democrats to Republicans in terms of voter registration. So she's almost certainly, barring extremely unlikely events, going to be the next mayor. So her perspective is, let's just keep the train going down the tracks. We don't need any distractions and it'll be fine for her. And then you have David O, who's got kind of nothing to lose. I think at one point he proposed 10 debates. That's a lot. Yeah, (laughs) he's sort of shooting a shot. He's doing what he needs to do. You know, for him, it's a win-win. He either gets a debate and has an opportunity to catch Sherelle in a bad moment, or he gets some headlines out of the fact that she refuses to debate him. So for him... You know, it's all it's all gravy. Whether that means that they will have one debate this fall, we'll see. Right now, Sherelle is not really saying no. She's just saying she'd prefer to talk directly to Philadelphia voters. So she's choosing her words carefully. It may end up being that they have one debate. We'll see. Has Parker said that she wants to do something else? Like you said, what does talking to voters mean? I think after Labor Day, you're going to see her campaign ramp up a little bit. I'm not sure if she's going to run TV ads, but it could be that. She certainly will have the the money to do that. I'm sure she'll go to community events more frequently. She's making appearances here and there now, but mostly it's not big public events. And I wouldn't be surprised if she held a rally. She also has to build momentum for the beginning of her term, which starts in January. So she's she can use the end of the campaign here to get her vision out there, get voters and constituents ready for 
what she's hoping to accomplish next year. Okay. What have the candidates been up to this summer? Sure. Well, David O has been going around to community groups. He's trying to raise as much money as he can. He's campaigning. You know, he's got to fight for for every vote that he's going to get. And he's campaigning in a more traditional sense. Um, Sherelle, after a really competitive Democratic primary, which ended in May, took some time off. Mm -hmm. She had a dental emergency issue she had to tend to. She went on vacation. And in recent weeks, she's been making the rounds with stakeholders and community groups from what we hear. She was down in uh, Wildwood, right? Yes. Sherelle made uh, an appearance at the Brady Bash in North Wildwood, which is a very funny event on Philadelphia's political calendar. It is hosted by Bob Brady, who is the longtime chair of the Democratic Party here in Philadelphia. And a lot of Philadelphia politicians go down to Wildwood in the summer. And so it just makes sense to have the party there for a lot of them. Sherelle made an appearance. She swept in. She swept out. She spoke for a couple minutes. She didn't really stick around and chat with everybody. But she thanked the party loyalists for supporting her in the campaign. Most ward leaders supported her. And she got out of there. Sean, what can voters expect this fall from both campaigns? I think you're going to see David O fighting and scrapping to get every vote he can. And I think you're going to see Sherelle talking very presidentially, if you will, like the leader, you know, this is my vision. I think after Labor Day, you're going to see her campaign ramp up a little bit. I'm not sure if she's going to run TV ads, but it could be that. She certainly will have the, the money to do that. I'm sure she'll go to community events more frequently. And I wouldn't be surprised if she held a rally. She also has to build momentum for the beginning of her term, which starts in January. So she's she can use the end of the campaign here to uh, get her vision out there, get voters and constituents ready for what she's hoping to accomplish next year. All right. That was Sean Walsh, City Hall reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Paul Schwedelson, commercial real estate reporter at the Philadelphia Business Journal. Thanks so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. If you're looking for something fun this weekend, go to the movies on Sunday to celebrate National Cinema Day. Several Philly theaters are offering $4 movie tickets. Now, that's a great deal. Also, check out the Hey Philly newsletter list of best movie theaters in the city. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you, too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producer is Abby Fritz. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell your coworker, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend, y'all, and be safe. Bye.